Keep up with the new. Keep up with the important. Keep up with it all on Keeping Up With The Current. Get your news fix for the day, stay informed and up to date with current affairs and the issues that matter. Nadia has you covered on Keeping Up With The Current. A common yet exact saying goes, home is where the heart is. But unfortunately for many women, this isn't the case. While we expect to have a home full of peace and devoid of violence, some face verbal and physical abuse in a regular manner. Some women are treated as if they are burdensome, worthless and go through an unbearable economic as well as emotional abuse. Well, the issue of domestic violence linked to dowry abuse has been a focus of the New South Wales Police Force in Australia. And on the 31st of May, Ola and Abid were delighted to represent Torm FM at the New South Wales Police-endorsed premiere of the Dowry Abuse Project, which was officially launched at the Riversby Workers' Club by Parramatta and Bankstown PACs. The event was very well received and was attended by the various sectors of the community, including community organisation, local, state and federal representation, along with a massive support of New South Wales Police Force. So the event featured two short films, which were the final two video resources of the project. They were fiction-based films inspired by real-life stories. So basically, for over two years, A team of three multicultural community liaison officers from Bankstown and Parramatta PACs, they worked on a visual resource addressing the growing concerns uh, around dowry abuse in the subcontinent communities. Dowry-related abuse is often linked to instances of human trafficking as well as economic and physical abuse in migrant communities. So through this project campaign, New South Wales Police intended to produce resources that aim to educate and raise awareness about dowry abuse. Now, two of the videos were produced addressing the issue of dowry abuse within the uh, subcontinent community. And there have been multiple consultations with community members, production companies and actors, all of which come from the community in focus and the aim of those films were to encourage the victims of domestic violence and dowry violence specifically to stand for them and to explore the opportunities available at their disposal while at the same time aspires to serve as a reference point for New South Wales Police Force to be able to achieve the complexities um, of what dowry entails. So Uh, The project really focused on helping members of the community identify when police interventions are necessary. And so, as I said to you before, Tuam FM was very pleased to attend the launch of this project. And we also heard from a number of uh, key support project support figures. And uh, we will begin with a number of key figures that were interviewed, uh, the first of which is Adam Johnson, 
commander of the Bankstown Area Command and we'll hear what he had to say in just a few moments. Adam Johnson, I'm the commander of Bankstown Police Area Command. So tonight we're here at the launch of the Dowry Abuse Project. Uh, what were the reasons, the main reasons or objectives for this project coming about? Well, I think um, our multicultural liaison officers that you've seen tonight, uh, Rashna, Nelly, and Georgina, are very passionate about this, and they work with you know the multicultural and diverse communities. And they saw this as a bit of an issue, um, you know, particularly in some of the Indian communities. Um, and you know, we, when we talk about domestic violence, and like I said on the, with my, my talk earlier, it's not just about victims that have been physically assaulted, you know, with broken bones and bruises, and we see that, and that's that, that's um, obviously not acceptable. But it's also it goes well beyond that. It's also coercive behaviour, uh, threats, humiliation, um, that all that sort of stuff is domestic violence. And part of the dowry issue, um, a lot of those issues are wound up in the dowry issues. And it was more about educating not just police but also victims who don't even realise they're victims of, a, of domestic violence or a crime. And also the perpetrators. To let them know what acceptable uh, standards are and what is not acceptable in the community. And also I think educating our police as well in relation to, you know, just, just some different cultural differences in different communities and whatever. Um, and like the police I have under me at Bankstown are, are very aware because they're dealing with diverse communities all the time. Um, but we have new police coming in all the time as well. From, and they've got different backgrounds also. And like I said before, I'd, before I, um, I was in the city and I came out as the commander at Auburn before I came to Bankstown, and I'd never heard of dowry. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, even now I'm aware. And it's something I can then push down and educate my police about as well. So it's an important issue and you can see the passion from Nelly, Georgina and um, Rashna and um, you know, I hope it makes a difference. We certainly hope so. So you mentioned the importance of education among police officers. How well trained or how much training and education is provided to young officers or those who are newly entering the force yep. to be able to identify the signs of domestic violence but some of the more subtle forms of domestic violence like coercive control. Yeah well, well that's and that can be that can be tricky. Or, and, and sometimes it may not constitute an actual criminal offence, but we can still take certain action or we can put a victim in touch with a community group and you can see like I I have some good um, relationships with the community groups around Bankstown and that's what commanders of police need to do. But in relation to police training, well, it starts from the academy. It, all, it also comes with practical experience as well. So when the police come out into their commands, it's a constant training environment and you can see I've got a couple of my domestic violence team here and they work hard every day. Uh, every morning we sit there in our crime review and we go through every domestic matter that's been reported to us with a fine tooth comb just to make sure that some of those young police have picked up on all of the, you know, all of the, the, the red flags and the risks and whatever we make sure we address them. Um, but it, look, it's a work in progress and what concerns me as well is the, you know, the, the matters we, we're not aware of that go unreported as well. And I think that was mentioned by Mariam tonight. And that's something where we need to educate people about what is and what isn't acceptable in our society. Right, and there's also something else. What about, I mean, as police officers with certain a certain level of authority and certain powers, there is 
a course of action that you can take. How much more power do you think you need? And what kind of action would be needed on part of policymakers, lawmakers, to give you greater powers to do more? Because we know that a lot of people in the community, victims of domestic violence and some of the more subtle forms especially of domestic violence that fall through the cracks because police are simply not given enough powers to do enough. Uh, look, I, I think we have enough powers. I don't think we need more powers. We just need to use those powers effectively and, resp- and are responsible, of course, at all times. But, like, if, if something's reported to us and it may not reach the actual benchmark of being a criminal offence, we can still do things like take out, take out protection orders or apprehended violence orders for people as well to protect them. And what that does, it restricts uh, the perpetrators or potential perpetrators' behaviour. And not in a bad way, it basically tells them how they need to behave like normal people behave in the community. Like, don't threaten, harass, humiliate and intimidate people and so on. So, no, I don't think, I don't think we need more powers, but we need, I think we just need to work with the community and the community groups. It's more about education, prevention, and making sure that, um, you know, if we can prevent matters from happening. Because I understand as well, like, it's a big step for people to come to the police, victims. Um, and, and there's a point where we, when we become involved, we have to take action, we have to. And I understand the balance in relation to people just wanting it to stop, all right? But I would really ask, even if you're not sure, reach out to our command. You can always reach out to Nelly, particularly at Bankstown, Nelly or Georgina, or the my domestic violence team, and they'll give advice. And if, if it's the right, if it's, if it's um, you know, the right course of action, we can refer victims onto community services as well. Because there's plenty around, and we're working closely with them, you know what I mean? And not, not everyone knows that they're available, like, you know, the women's... Um, Services and um, you, know, you can even see how they link in with uh, the Review Workers Club as well. So the, I think the support's out there, but sometimes you know you people are going to just take that first brave step. Commander, I don't think it, this is would be the first time that you hear this, but there are <laughs> a lot of people that say, okay, there are apprehended violence orders, protection orders. It's a piece of paper. How much power does a piece of paper actually hold in the face of somebody? who holds a knife to somebody's throat or somebody who chokes someone or somebody who just doesn't see this protection order as something, anything significant. It's not enough of a deterrent. Well, look, someone that holds a knife to someone or chokes them, uh, that goes beyond the protection order. That is in uh, before the court with uh, bail restrictions or being bail refused up to your court hearing, right? But look, when, when you say it's a piece of paper, I get, I get people understand that, but it's a court order. It is a, it is a binding order from the court. And what we can do as well, like people that we feel maybe will ignore some orders or their bail conditions, we will target them, and uh, we'll target them in a num- number of different ways. We target criminals, and I'll make no apology for that, and, um, and we will um, you know, put, them at, put the victim out of harm's way, and we, <clears throat> we will further restrict their movements or their ability to commit further crime. Uh, by putting them before the court sooner, or putting them in straight into custody and by refusing them. So, so it's it's not it's not really a piece of paper. It, and someone that just thinks it's a piece of paper and wants to ignore it, well, you do so at your own risk because you will end up in jail. So, Commander, lastly, what words of advice would you have for any people out there in the community who are subject to any kind of domestic violence or coercive control who want to seek out help? but uh, afraid of the retribution. Well, look, firstly, it's all about treating each other with respect. It doesn't matter whether you're male or female or from what background. 
Um, for those people that are suffering, like I said, um, I know it's, it, sometimes you need to be brave to take that first step. Reach out, reach out to my domestic violence team. They will give you the right advice. We will take the right action. Um, but if we really need to step in and protect you, we, we will do it. We, we have to because your your safety and your protection is our priority. Thank you so much, Commander. Thank you for your time and for your message. No problems anytime. You just heard from Adam Johnson, commander of the Bankstown Area Command, and he spoke about, I guess, the New South Wales Police Force uh, strategies in dealing with domestic violence. And of course, I guess the key component of that is education and awareness, you know, taking a more uh, proactive rather than reactive approach in dealing with this problem. And now together we'll hear from Maria Murad, CEO of Bankstown Women's Health Centre and Fairfield Women's Health Service. So I'll just start off by having you introduce yourself, your position and where you work. Okay. Well, my name is Maria Murad. I'm the CEO of Bankstown Women's Health Centre and Fairfield Women's Health Service. And what we do, we deliver health and wellbeing services to women in the, local gov- in the two local government areas which is Canterbury Bankstown and Fairfield and GA. So you cover quite a bit of area. Yes, we do set across a bit of southwest Sydney and a bit of Sydney area, health district, yes. Right. So what do you encounter in, turn, in your line of work in terms of seeing women in distress or women who are potentially being subject to domestic abuse or you know, any kind of coercive control. Do people come in and actually reach out to you for help or is it something that you pick up on your own? Well, what we, women come to us with different uh, health issues. Women present to us, so for example, with anxiety issues, depression or even parenting issues. And one of our practitioners, because we screen for domestic violence, we have, we've got a, we work under something called the trauma-informed practice care and we are... Uh, we screen all the women that come to us as a standard uh, practice uh, for domestic violence. And women come with us. Women don't come to us and say, well, I've been, I've experienced domestic violence. They come to us with anxiety and with depression, with even some parenting issues. And then when, when our practitioners unpack that, it takes a while. And when they unpack it, it it's the, we have, I can safely say, 70 to 80% of the presentation at the both both of the sides of the women's health centres is related to domestic violence, current or uh, previous domestic violence. Statistics uh, suggest, and it's very telling, uh, one in three women, if you look around you in the street, one in three women suffer domestic violence. So when they come to us, you can imagine, and in particular, because if you look at an area uh, across the southwest Sydney um, district, Bankston uh, area, uh, report second highest in domestic violence. And I'm talking about the reported. There's a lot of unreported. A lot of women that come to us, they haven't reported to the police. They just come to us with, as I said, those what are called symptoms. And when you unpack these issues, 
It's huge, but in honor of 10, it's relative to domestic violence. That is huge. It's massive. It's what I call, uh, as, uh, we, we talk a lot about COVID pandemic. I call, about, I call this a social epidemic. It's really ongoing. And it's gender-based. We haven't got a we haven't got a power imbalance. Absolutely. So it's about power imbalance. It's about power and control. What I what when women come to us, we say this is an argument when you're at the same level. But to, if he's there and you're there, and this is how you feel, that's a power imbalance, and this is when power and control gets exercised uh, by perpetrators of violence against women. Now I can understand how it would be easy for you to pick up some of the obvious signs of somebody who has been subject to physical domestic violence, physical abuse. You see the bruises, you see the signs. It's a lot harder to pick up signs of emotional or psychological abuse. So how well trained do you need to be to be able to actually see through all that? Well, as I mentioned before, uh, we we are part of a whole uh, peak body, a whole of sector called Women's Health New South Wales, okay? And the, 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 the model of care that we provide is a model of care called trauma-informed. Our practitioners or domestic violence trained, it's a practice, it's a standard thing when women, when workers come to us to work with us, if they haven't got that, that training, we put them through that training, trauma-informed domestic violence screening. That's embedded in the way we practice. Uh, to be able to, uh, to know and to be able to recognise women's experiences and as I said, women can't present to us. Not no one comes. Absolutely, no one comes and say I've been subject to domestic violence. Even when it's physical uh, sight, physically, a woman with a black eye. It's the first time. Women minimise it because it's too hard to address, and it's very complex. Domestic violence is very complex, and cohesive control uh, experiences when women experience cohesive control, it's even harder because it's very subtle. It's very subtle, and it's really hard to name. So our practitioners spend a lot of time working with the women and packing domestic violence and get them to name their experiences as domestic violence. Women come to us, for example, and say, he's only done it once. So uh, he's a good father. And we start challenging this belief. And we say, if he's a good father, you're saying he's a good father. How do you think it affects your children? Your children are viewing that. And as we know, kids, kids... uh, uh, adopt behaviours of adults around them. This is what we call it monkey see, monkey do. We, we, you know, we really unpack that and one woman, but women come forward and start naming that when, it, when we talk to them about the impact on the children. This is when we get women to start making some changes. Yeah, because that was going to be my next question. How challenging do you find it to actually try and get women to seek the actual help that they need or to report that kind of abuse and to actually move past it? Because you're going to find that a lot of women are going to be scared. Um, they're going to be retribution. They're going to be, um, you know, that a lot of women may not even have, for example, the financial means to support themselves if they left. Well, absolutely, and this is where our expert practitioners in really, uh, we call it like a, uh, we get the women, we actually work with women on their journey, it's nothing forced, it's let's unpack this, it's, and we look at a healthy relationship, we say to women, there's a, something called the circle of abuse, circle of healthy relationship, unhealthy relationship, and we show women this, so this is what a healthy relationship looks like, what's your relationship look like, let's unpack that. So you just give those uh, options because 
I'll give you an example. Years and years ago when I did a lot of domestic violence work, I had a woman who had horrific domestic violence and she couldn't name it. So when I, when I spoke to her and I said, well, tell me what a normal day, oh, it's all normal. Tell me what a normal day looks like for you. And when she started telling me what the normal day looks like, in the morning, fighting, in the morning, put down, in the morning, bashing. I said, but that's not normal. It's not, this is normal to you because it becomes the norm. And we really unpack all of that. And as, as I said, once we start talking to mothers about the impact of domestic violence on the children, changes happen. And our practitioners said experienced trauma specialist, and we provide a, a, a woman's only safe space. So we know that we say to women, this is your space. This is a safe space where you can, um, it's, it's gender safe, we call it, and we call it cultural safe. So we employ practitioners who speak other languages. Like we've got a Vietnamese practitioner, we've got an Arabic practitioner who understands the language, understands the culture. And that, that's really, in, uh, uh, it's really instrumental in getting women to, to really resonate. And some women might, don't want to even work with the same, uh, work from the same culture for fear of if she's going to be exposed. So we talk to women that this is a, this is your safe space. Well, this is our guidelines. This is how we do things. We do things within confidentiality or confidentiality guidelines and our policies and processes are really about um, empowering you and working with you. It's not easy. Domestic violence is very complex. It's and a very sensitive issue to address. And it's a taboo. A lot of communities, uh, a lot of a lot of communities look at domestic violence as the norm, which is really bad. Hard to shift sometimes. I mean, just based on what you've said right now, that a lot of women don't even identify that they are being abused. So they they don't see a problem in what's happening to them in the first place for them to seek help for it because they don't see a problem. And it's not until somebody else points it out to them that they realise it's a problem. And it's a long process. You've got to build a rapport. You've got to make a woman safe. We've had women that took, took weeks for them to be able to to come forward with that or even name the uh, name the violence and as I said that healthy relationship as opposed to unhealthy so women we don't say well you're in a domestic violence relationship this is what a healthy relationship looks like and what's your relationship like you tell me you unpack it with me and usually um, you know um, it resonates quite well there's a lot more there's a lot of obviously psychological health and uh, therapy that comes along with that journey absolutely and the willingness and to and also um, the community attitudes because what we've seen now is the community attitudes and what well, the sad part about the, the, uh, the dairy uh, dairy abuse uh, is driven by women by the mother-in-law and I found that I'm thinking oh my god this, it is, it is this, it's quite disturbing because it's the, the father-in-law was okay it's the yeah. mother it's the woman the matriarch and the family uh, perpetrates that violence and instigates all these um, yeah well, not just that, but like communities and, and families yeah. try to normalise that kind of behaviour. Yeah, so, you know, oh, just well, that's our family. Get out, get yeah, out, yeah, yeah, get out for the kids. Yes, for all this, all this. Not knowing that, you know, in the in the long run, you're actually not doing the kids any favours. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much. No worries, thank you. It's 
six minutes to two on Keeping Up with the Current on 92.1 FM Muslim Community Radio. And we're talking about the Dowry Abuse and Domestic Violence Awareness Project. Two short films that aim to, uh, I guess, promote awareness around dowry related domestic violence. So at this event that Tuam FM uh, attended this week, New South Wales Police screened two short films to bring forth the issue of dowry abuse in Australia and to uh, encourage the victims of domestic violence and dowry violence specifically to explore um, the positive opportunities available to raise awareness and also as a reference and training guide for New South Wales Police Force to understand uh, the complexities of this issue. So we just heard now from Marion Murad, CEO of Bankstown Women's Health Centre and Fairfield Women's Health Service. And now we'll uh, cross over to Rima El Hajj, Multicultural Community Liaison Officer, State Coordinator, and we'll hear what she has to say. So my name's Rima Elhash. I'm the Multicultural Community Liaison Officer State Coordinator. So I look after the Meglos across New South Wales. Um, I'm currently located at the Hurstville um, offices, um, but I'm generally out and about across the um, across different parts of Sydney where the Meglos are located. All right. So what was your role basically in the Dairy Abuse Project? Um, honestly, it was a support role more than anything. The idea was. Uh, conceived by the ladies obviously in response to a lot of the issues they were seeing in their local areas. Um, at the time that they came forward they were looking to take it from that kind of grassroots local level to that next level so we took it into that corporate space to become a product that's then widely used um, and, and the benefit of being in the corporate space is that you get to know um, how to take a project and make it bigger so it's all them, it's all their work, it's just some background support that I was able to provide. And what kind of challenges do you think a project like this would have faced to get off the ground? I think a, a topic like this or a project like this that is quite sensitive has to be done in a way that doesn't uh, offend or misconstrue the, the core message. So as the ladies said, when something like dowry is done in its organic form, it's beautiful, it's great, it's colourful, it's amazing. And that's what we want to do. We want to celebrate cultural practices that are good and positive. But when those good and positive turn into negative and harmful is when we need to speak up. So a project like this needs to be balanced. Um, you need the community community's buy-in, that's a priority because we can't do this without the community. So that would be the second challenge um, to one, balance a, a, a sensitive issue and then secondly to get the community on board. And how does this then translate into extra education or training for police officers in the force so they can identify that they, these kinds of issues do happen and how to address them in a culturally sensitive way. Sure. So I guess um, like, like, like us all, you only know what you know. So um, with police, uh, I think they are some of the most amazing people you'll, you'll ever meet because they are faced with numerous amounts of issues on a daily basis. Um, and you can't blame them if they don't know what they don't know. Whereas a product like this um, takes something that's unknown and foreign into, um, you know, into the everyday. So that when they are dealing with someone that may have a cultural or language or religious um, 
element to their problem. It's in the back of their minds, like, oh, I think I remember seeing something like that. I think I remember reading that. So even if they don't sit and watch the 20-minute the uh, video, it'll be part of a training package. So online they can sit and be exposed to this issue and to the support that they can access for the victim. And that's the important element. We always have to be able to tell our police officers where to go for further help because they're not... They, they, don't, um, they have a million things that they have to process and so we also have to be conscious that they might not know what the, the best thing to do in that moment is but they might know, oh, I'll fix the Meklo or there's a women's centre down the road or I remember those ladies, they were at a barbecue recently so the more we can kind of inject into their minds, hopefully they can recall it when they need it. Right, yeah. And how likely do you think it is for women who are being subject to this kind of abuse or coercive control to actually speak out when police are there? And are they more likely to reach out to a female police officer than, say, a male officer? I think, uh, generally speaking, or overall, any victim that has to come forward to report a crime needs the courage to walk through those doors, regardless of whether it's DV or something's happened to them. Some people shrug things off. Um, but when it's something that's so sensitive and so personal and so intimate because it's your partner or your family, or it, it's another element of complexity. So it takes a lot of courage, and I think the more we as an organisation, so New South Wales Police Force and all the support agencies tell them it's okay. You know, you're the, you're the victim here. You haven't done anything wrong. We are here to help you. The more we make it normal to get help and normal to speak about it, I think the more uh, reassurance we can provide a victim to come forward. And that aspect about um, dealing with females, I can tell you for a fact that if someone comes in and asks for a female, if one is available and able, then that will be provided. And in the... You know, in the circumstance where they can't because they're just not there or they're out on the road or whatever it may be, um, sometimes it's really important for that male police officer to navigate through that sensitive interaction. But that first interaction is really vital and any victim that comes forward, we need to embrace them really in that moment and, and try and give them the best of our attention. So when someone would have come in, in in the past and said, oh, I'm a victim of diary and the police are like, you know, well, I'm not quite sure that's a civil matter, go and speak mm. to someone about... Yeah. the property or whatever it may be, now, hopefully, that police officer can say, OK, let's go and speak in a quiet room and, and, and try and get some more support for you. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Sometimes I, I think some women, some women may actually feel apprehensive about reporting this kind of abuse even, even though it's subtle and may not necessarily entail any kind of physical violence, may not be to the extremes that some other women may face but they still see it as a, as a bit of a culturally sensitive issue and they associate it with shame They're like you know I can't yeah, go and yeah. speak that this is happening to me because yeah. this reflects badly on my culture yeah. that yeah. you know this is happening to somebody of my culture now I'm going to give my culture a bad reputation because this is happening yeah. to me and yeah. somebody is doing this to me yeah and and that's totally um I think a normal thing for them to, uh, to process, to think about. Um, there are many cultures where family issues are kept in the household. Yeah. I mean, I was born and raised here and I would like to think I'm quite open and educated and I work for the police for God's sake and even sometimes within my own community there's, com there's comments about, well, 
there's a bit of gossip about what's happening, but no one ever says, oh, maybe we should go and get them some help. Maybe we should go and give them a pamphlet or something. Like, it's not, you know, something that's, that's normal, but, um, or normalised, I should say. If we have a universal message, and that is that DV is wrong across the board, and then we make it that it's a universal message, so it's not about you know, white women or black women or women yeah. in hijab or women from the you know, yeah. Indian community or Asian women or whatever. If we keep it universal no. and take away colour and culture and religion and whatnot, I think that's something we need to keep working on. So it's a normal universal message, yeah. a normalised universal message. But then we something look at that focuses more on, on the, the behaviour than the background of the person, right. either the victim or the perpetrator. Hundred percent. But then when we look at how we need to communicate it into that, that universal message into those different communities, then we look at okay, how do women of this group meet and greet, and how do we inject that information into that community group? So I think it's that balance of normalising the universal message, mm -hmm. but then looking at how we communicate that one universal message into the different vulnerable groups. Yeah. Um, some women res respond better to this, to talking and chatting. Yeah. Others prefer to watch it. Others prefer to read it. Yeah. So that's where I think we need to focus more about the intricacies or the nuances of, of cultural groups. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. This no worries. Evening. Thank you for being here. just heard from Rema El Hajj Multicultural Community Liaison Officer as State Coordinator. So really education. Education is at the forefront of um, discontinuing this vicious cycle. Education and understanding I guess forms a big part of how we respond to and reduce rates of reprehensible domestic and family violence especially when it affects some of the most marginalized and vulnerable members of our community and we know that the position of islam on the kind treatment of women is very clear as mentioned in the holy quran through the life and character of prophet muhammad وسلم, under no circumstance should the husband feel in any way justified to humiliate or abuse his wife verbally or physically it's not permissible for the husband to take advantage of his wife and consequently wrong her due to his superior physical power. So we encourage men and women alike to take the pledge never to commit, excuse or be silent about reprehensible violence. Again, Islam's position on domestic violence is drawn from the Quran and the Sunnah. Always Use the teachings of Islam as a guide on how to best treat your partner and what their rights upon you are. Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he set direct examples of what a healthy relationship looks like. The Prophet وسلم, stressed the importance of kindness and compassion to our spouse. So marriage should be based around those core principles of Islam promoted through the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet And that concludes the key highlights of the launch of the Dowry Abuse Project at Riversby Workers Club, an initiative by a team of three multicultural community liaison officers from Bankstown and Parramatta PACs addressing concerns 
growing concerns around dowry abuse in subcontinent communities. And I sincerely hope that today's message reached you well and that you deliver that core message promoted in that initiative or within the scope of that project. Inshallah, I'll catch up with you all again next week on an all-new episode of Keeping Up With The Current. Until next time, please have a great afternoon and take care. Keep up with the new, keep up with the important, keep up with it all on Keeping Up With The Current. Get your news fix for the day, stay informed and up to date with current affairs and the issues that matter. Nadia has you covered on Keeping Up With The Current.